Hey, hey, we are. Luke. Oh my gosh, what's your face? What's the content? <laughs> oh man, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, Luke, how you doing? Uh, Scale from one to ten. Luke being Luke. Six point five. Okay, now right that's now too low. Seven, 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 seven. Okay, right now you're in a very nice white button-up shirt. Mm-hmm. Do you have gym shorts underneath or your boxers? No, I have real pants on. <sighs> pants Were you at an event? Match. Were you at an event or was this an online thing? I had a donor meeting, then I had to drive back, then I had class, and now I'm here. So okay. I've had a chance to take off said pants. Okay, let me tell you, last week I had a ton of Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. Gym shorts or boxers, the whole... It was like my greatest achievement. I went four days straight without having to wear pants. <laughs> I love remote. Your work. life. Your life, man. Uh, your life. My life. <laughs> your life. <sighs> man, Do you feel good about yourself? Me, women want to be me. Do I feel good about myself? I feel better about myself. Good. I really do. Why? Can I tell you why? Yeah. Oh my gosh, you asked. This is beautiful. So... That's what happens when you don't prepare... I know, I know. You ask questions, you listen. <laughs> Let me get to the thing I want to talk about. Do I concur? <laughs> instead, of, instead of let's massively search in each other's conversation for a show that we can do. <laughs> How can I stretch this out for a little? Uh, listen, no, when you get to like 400 episodes, does not matter anymore? I don't even know. It does, it does, because we love the fans. That's true. So, number one, I have very bad low testosterone. This comes as a shock to no one. I have, and so. Is that because you do I've the been, carnivore diet? No, no, no. It's because of morbidly obese. Mm-hmm. So with a morbid obesity comes, I have a lack of free testosterone. I'm just shy of the of the spectrum, and I want to get it higher. But I don't want to take medicine yet mm-hmm. for, like, taking androgynous testosterone. But I don't want to take medicine to make it better yet. I want to no, 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 no. I don't want to take, like, the last thing you want to do is have testosterone be given to you and your body not be able to produce it. Sure. Especially, like, like the dangerous thing, there's all these TRT testosterone replacement therapy clinics that are popping up everywhere and a lot of them are super shady because they're like oh you're a 21 year old who wants to get swole yes here's testosterone and all this and all this stuff so um but you don't because then what happens is your body stops it's it's just like melatonin right when you take too much your body stops the process of making it yourself because you are making you are taking it Mm. and so it's it's a it's a slippery slope and anywho i say all this because there's a handful of things that doctors recommend you do before you do testosterone. So I got tested. I had a doctor consult, and they were talking about these different things to do. And so I started doing them, and I was like, you know what? I feel better. I'm feeling like the brain fog kind of leaving. I'm reducing my caloric intake, eating healthier foods, whole foods, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing the rucking, and I added more weight. And the first time I did it, it like took my breath away. Like I walk around the I could like barely breathe when I got done. Because I added more weight, I, I felt like the the twenty pounds, like oh, that's nothing. Jocko Willing does seventy five, so I'm like, okay, maybe there's a sweet spot. <laughs> you know, I'm not Jocko Willing, so if he's doing seventy five to twenty, like I didn't want to overdo it. I bought a cheap backpack, didn't want that ripping halfway across my neighborhood. But I threw another uh, ten pounds in there, and it was funny. It was like I'm so out of shape, like I could barely handle that. Mm-hmm. But I did that, and I was like, I, I just did a simple like thirty minute. But I've been religiously faithful to doing either walking or rucking and it just gave me this shot of you know whatever dopamine all this stuff like yeah brain fog energy zeal for the day and i've been combining it with <clears throat> time block planning have i talked to you about that i can't remember if i've talked no. 
So I bought this, so this time block planner from Cal Newport. Time block planner. I'm a big Cal Newport fan. Deep work. What what are some of the digital minimalism? We've talked about the his books on the show, but he has a time block planner. I bought the new one and I'm like, I don't like these gimmicky things. I don't like doing it. I don't want to talk about our catching foxes if I'm not faithful to it. So what I ended up doing is creating my own on pages, Apple pages, mm-hmm. and just seeing if I would do it before I bought the book. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty faithful to it. And man, I got to tell you, man, it has helped me be really? so much better. Good for you. Oh, yeah. It's it's like a paper version of Trello, kind of. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's yeah. not a project management thing. It's just you're blocking your day. You're capturing all the tasks, mm-hmm. all the ideas. You're just having a play. And, and now I have like multiple systems going. I realized something. I don't know if you feel like this with ADHD. I enjoy and I remember when I physically write things down mm-hmm. more than yeah. typing it. Yep. Yep. I, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So I, my 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 calendar on my iPhone syncs my four calendars. So my family calendar, my yeah, my personal like Gmail thing, mm-hmm. my so like kids events, whatever. My my layevangelist.com, traveling, doing events, and then my that man is you calendar. Those are all synced on my phone, but I have a handwritten events calendar right here. This little moleskin. I've had this for four years, three years now. I'm almost done with it. And I'm just getting, it's just forcing me like, okay, so for instance, Kevin Heider said, you know, what's the one thing that you need to do that you haven't done? Me was go to the dentist, go to the doctor. But some of these things is like, I find that with my ADHD, I had that procrastination, you know, like, oh crap, I needed to do this yeah. last week. So I put it on the planner and it's just one more thing. It doesn't make me feel guilty. You know, that guilt feeling that you get when you email is like, hey, where is this thing that I asked for? But it's like, oh, I just need to do that thing. So just all I need to do is just the next step. And then I went back and I listened to our old, my old buddies at um, the Cortex blog where we get the theme system, like the themes, mm-hmm. you know, the annual theme. Yeah. And I had their theme system journal that I own since January of 2020 and never used. <laughs> <laughs> so in the yeah. morning, so I've actually developed a routine because forcing me to do this is like, it's the, you know, the, that doctor, whatever guy from the ADHD videos is like Barkley. the best in the world. Yeah. He's like, you know, your environment has to be your yeah. prosthetic. Like it has to be your memory. Yep. Yep. And that's what that's what I realized this has become nice. for me. Nice. And so by forcing me to do that, like but it it's funny because it's like a, a clustering of things. So it's like, yeah, well, mm-hmm. keeping a time block planner means I'm going back to my calendar and being up to date on my calendar, which then means I'm and I've been doing this writing for my Bible study every day. Every day I read a little bit of Luke, Gospel Luke, and on our view. Thank you. And I'm thinking about you every morning. I just where is Luke? What is he up to? Is he, God, mm. I miss him so much. Why can't he be here? Gospel. <laughs> why can't i live with him um and that's uh, it you all have been holding me back long long enough i'm going to clown college slash living with luke <laughs> <laughs> shannon would be the first to endorse that arrangement <laughs> like, thank She's you like, please please <laughs> get it out of your system and i'm like will it will it uh yeah so i'm just saying it, it, it started this writing thing nice that's so awesome. now i've written like the next um 10 talks that i have I've already written them out. I've already outlined them. I've already thought through them and prayed through them, Look which are you. things that like I usually do on the flight out. You know? So basically, like, Gomer's discovered bullet journaling. Well, I, I, okay, so bullet journaling is a thing. I have I don't do bullet journaling. I mean, you kind of are. Well, bullet journaling. I mean, like, so I actually tried to do like I, I watched all of the guys' videos who invented it. Yeah, I, yeah. I bought the moleskin to like do it, and <laughs> I, I I lasted a week. Like, like, are you a journaler? Do you like to journal uh, like prayer and uh, stuff? Uh, yes, but. 
okay. So your boy Luke's like actually been <laughs> yes with a butt, I, no with I, a maybe. I'm actually excited <laughs> to be talking about this because I'm I'm both excited about this stuff and I'm struggling hard hardcore with a lot of this stuff. Hmm. Yes, I love to journal, but I find that like when I'm really busy, journaling actually doesn't work because mm. I'm too like my whatever, let's call it ADHD just for the sake of, you know, yeah, context. It becomes too hard and it's like, nope. Yeah. You know, so it it's a thing where if I, the less I have to do, the more I want to journal. Mm. But I I'm always writing stuff down. The problem is I like then like lose it all. I have like six different journals or anything but <laughs> do you have a, a one with a leather cover with a little string that you tie in order to keep the jacket <laughs> i did closed? actually i got one of those somewhere yeah uh, i felt like <laughs> a friend of mine gave that to me she's like i know you like to write so much and i was like i do it on a computer but then i was like actually yeah. no i really want to get into this. well and it's not even unnecessarily the amount of things i have to do as much as it is the things yeah. that are pulling up you know so like you know right now i am a dad i have two grad school c- courses i've got a job I have the podcast and I'm trying to work through a lot of heavy emotional baggage. So, and you need to care about you. Yeah. A little self care. And, well, I mean, that's not counting that. (laughs) And, or like, that's true. Groceries. And, like, I actually, you know, let me, let me, like, include, like, this, like, you know, um, like, self care part is like laundry, the things, you know, the stuff that (laughs) Shannon does for you. Yeah. So, right. And this is the beautiful thing. Like, this is the thing about divorce. Like, one of you could have gone one week for the groceries, the other the other mm-hmm. week for the groceries, but now the groceries is on both of you every week all the time. Yeah. So it, uh, so it like, yeah, it's definitely, uh, I mean, but like I, when I say bullet, the, like the fun thing about bullet journaling is it's a little bit of like a catch all for all types of journaling. You know, you can really make a bullet journal, whatever you want. You can, you can adjust it for, but I, I think that idea of like my life is on this thing and this helps me. I think that, think that that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's really great, and I, I I've actually been doing a really cool thing about, and I'm I'm kind of finding to perhaps go out, go down this productivity role with you. And I need to put this piece of paper away, or it's going to just distract me because I had some thoughts about grad school that are just like about like that that grad school inspired me that that's just like making my brain be like beep, 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 so I need to like <laughs> put it away. So I've I so like okay, so life is nuts, right? Mm-hmm. And so I struggle a lot. You heard, you heard, you heard the bard bard. Uh, I we are this is buckle up everyone's going to be one of those. So what can be kind of tough? Like back in the day, we were all big fans of getting things done. That's what you do when you're in your twenties. I was like, I'm sure yeah, getting things like, done by what's his name, Dave? David Allen, David Allen, or David Allen. I'm sure like eighty percent of yeah. like his market are just people in their twenties going, ah, how do I handle this? I got it right there on the yeah. bottom shelf, and it's and there are th- there are things about it that I like. There are things about it that I have I the don't audio like. book of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've gone through it. I've been doing it, you know, off yeah. and on just for uh, gosh, fifteen years now. Father David Huss first introduced me to it back in two thousand eight. So, oh, okay. One of the things that he talks about is like trying to. It's like so one of the core parts of getting things done is like having one inbox, trying to get that down to as few things as yeah. you can. That's where you yeah. I'm going to process everything. But it's tough when you have a podcast, a life, a job, school, like. All, I have yeah. three different calendars just for all of that stuff. And it's like, how do I, you know, yeah. and it was like, oh, and I found that for me, time blocking actually didn't really work very well. Not mm. the time blocking is bad. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this is my yeah. own experience. This, this is where yeah, I yeah. think like, this is your truth. Luke. Well, but like, honestly, though, when it comes to product, uh, I think it's Scott Hahn. You always bring up this great quote from Scott Hahn, where we tend to absolute the relative and we make yeah, absolutize the relative and relativize the absolute. Yeah. Yeah. I think productivity yeah. hacks, if you will, or, or like, I don't even hate that term, but productivity, yeah. different types of uh, yeah, methods. Th- that's, yeah. it, it is relative. 
So I've actually started about I've thought about starting a like YouTube channel for Catholics with ADHD because I've just I've done some stuff that's been like very helpful. Not very necessarily cool. in the spiritual realm, but just coming from that point of view that I think would be kind of interesting. But yeah. anyways, that's that's neither here nor there. My Okay, so so one of the big parts about getting things done is you're you're supposed to have an inbox, and that's where you unprocess everything, and then you like assign a I'm gonna do this, and they and I'm gonna I'm, I'm going to leave it there. One of the hard things about getting things done is when you have seven different inboxes. You have yeah. your emails, you have your text messages, you have your physical inbox, you've got um you, you uh, have like phone calls, you have all this different stuff. You, you have you, mail you and bills, have and Slack. Yeah, payment. you have all yeah. all of this stuff. So I was like, man, these calendars for me it's getting really hard. To manage why time blocking doesn't um, work for me because I'm not going to do a thing on my own without any sort of like going to what I call my ADHD arsenal. I'm yep. not going to do it depending because it needs yeah. to be fun, um, interesting, urgent, or new. If it's yeah. not one of those things, I'll see ya. And so like time blocking <laughs> saying now is the time to do this. It's like, well, that doesn't work for me because it's more about like, what am I, how can I make myself do those? Like, you know, I, so, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. so what I'm doing right now that I haven't, I mean, I just started doing this. So even to say that I'm doing this is a lie, but I'm, I found it on, on YouTube and I'll try to remember to put a link to the person's YouTube thing into the show notes. But really it's more about time blocking stuff with, with regards to like, this is the type of task it is. And it then tells me you can put this off or you really can't. So okay. it helps me determine where do I need to go in my arsenal to be able to do this stuff. So the yeah. so the first one is a it's an appointment. That's a cannot um uh, cannot move this. So for us, right, this at like I'm nine thirty tonight Eastern time, God's time. The only time this is going to work. So I put it in my calendar as an appointment. Now I, I created all of these calendars in my main calendar feed, and my hope is to then yeah. bring everything together. So it helps me see what I'm doing, and it's not trying to adjust seven different calendars. It's actually only one yeah. calendar. Okay. Um, okay. And then, so then I have a thing called like bottleneck, which is this is a thing I need to do in order um, in order to get this other thing done, but I don't have to do it. So if I if I need to change that, I can. But I understand what I'm going to be giving up. So for me, with a lot of the bottleneck stuff, it's really the important but not urgent stuff. Yeah, I use a yeah, thing yeah. when I'm doing that type of work called Focusmate. Have you heard of um, Focusmate? Focusmate. I love it. I'm obs- this is this is that an app? What is it's, that? Yeah, it's like a, I'm a, it, uh, it's like a web um, service. I would say so. I pay I pay oh, okay, f- cool. five bucks a month, and basically what what they have found is that you tend to, like okay. Well, let me, I'm going to say two things. Let me get to the non ADHD part first. That productivity goes up when you're working with other people, like. Like yes. you tend to be almost side by side. You tend to be twice as productive. And Virtual if, coworking. And if you okay. have, if you, and if you have ADHD, you tend to need some sort of external uh, accountability. So what happens if you don't, if you're not working with anyone, especially if you are working on your own, as a lot of creative people tend tend to be, creatives tend to lack uh, what we call executive like functioning skills. So mm-hmm. what this does is you basically. We'll do like a thing over on the Zoom with a person, not Zoom, but like a Zoom-esque thing on their app for 25 minutes, up to 50 minutes, or up to like 75 minutes. And then you will say in in the beginning, my goal is to do X, Y, Z, and then they tell you their goal. Then you basically hit, you basically hit mute, 
and you're just like working and there's like a person there and then it ends and you say, I got, I got X amount done for me. Wow. Game changer, game changer. Cause it just creates Ooh. external accountability for me in the moment just to tell a person I didn't get this. Oh, I did like it's that's, that's just enough. I don't always need that, but like, that's why I call it my ADHD arsenal, but it's like, what's going to be best right now. And if yeah. I'm at the bottom of thing, cool. I need one of those things. That'll help me like do that work. It's really great. Works. Book a session. We'll match you with a member of our wonderful community whenever you want to focus. Two, join video call. Greet your partner. Share your session goals and get to work. Yep. Three, celebrate your progress. At the end of the session, check in with your partner and celebrate your progress. And there will be things even where, where people will then type in the chat. I've got this done. I'm doing this. I've got this. And it just it just creates that sense of a accountability. And I love it. I really, really do. So then I. So after the bottleneck stuff, I go to a thing called critical, and that's a task that I really have to do. There's a way this person, I want to make sure I wrote the notes for it in the setting. It's like, this is critical for my uh, success. So it's like, I don't want to move this if I don't have to. Again, yeah. like this is, it, it, it kind of isn't like, it's a, hey, this actually, this this bottleneck thing, this is uber important. Then it has daily and routine stuff. And then it like, here's some, here is my like dream work that I, that I, I want to do. And, and for me, that helps me see, okay, what am I doing right, right, right here? What do I need in order to, um, in move order on. to do this? And if I, and if I have to move it, it tells me what I can and what I can't move or what I'm giving up if I do. So it does all of that right, right there. And so that takes a lot of the, a lot of the decision work out for me and that's like really really helpful dude this is fascinating what the um, focus mate stuff yeah focus (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna close it down right now focusmate.com slash science interesting no but like just the idea of i thought like how great would it be if i'm there are times i I thought i should just call up gomer like hey do you want to work for like an hour and just like have it up and we'll just be like hi do 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 you know and like yeah. actually trying to do stuff so that's funny that you say that because i kind of do that i've found that i've gotten into a rhythm with van vickle that that way because oh, he's mm, interesting well the other one <laughs> so speaking of the other one this is really funny i was in baltimore oh, amazing amazing people the whole staff of christ life young adults christ life all of them they're just amazing people and we went out to dinner at, let me see if I can remember this, Manor Hill. I asked him 27 times what the name of the place was. Manor Hill, Hill in Ellicott, Maryland. Awesome place. Crazy place. You can Google about the floods. They all told me that 400 times when I was there. So the floods were epic. Two, second story of this, the main street. But we're there and they said, okay, before we begin, I want everyone to go around and say, catching foxes or every knee shall bow. <sighs> And they just went around, and some people are like, yeah, catch your foxes. Yeah, every knee shall bow. But a lot of them were like, yeah, both. Like, we listen to both. And I'm like, no. What was the break? (laughs) Double the Gomer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I also have a SoundCloud account, uh, soundcloud.com slash AMD Gomer. No, but it was so funny. And I was sitting there, and I was like, what is the most catching? (laughs) I was like, what is the most catching foxes thing I can do while we're at dinner? Because it was funny. This guy was like, well, you're going to go to the tavern. You know, obviously you can't have beer because you're going to do your presentation later. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not Luke. <laughs> yeah, maybe my presentation gets better. So instead of having beer, I didn't have any beer. That would be irresponsible. Instead, I had a Hemingway daiquiri. I had two <laughs> Instead, of them. I had liquor. <laughs> <laughs> I had have it. And <laughs> sugar. So, you know, extra hangover. Yeah, I felt like uh, I kept doing this. <laughs> like I've had a, I had a glass of cup going with the Leonardo DiCaprio on the Great Gatsby, you know, with his <laughs> glass, you know. 
So uh, I, yeah, it was a blast. They were just such <laughs> great people, but they're all big fans of 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 both shows. But um, no, but Van Vickle, what happens is in, he was trying to write like book proposals, and me and him are trying to coordinate our every niche about interview schedules because we do those during the day because mm-hmm. most of the people that we interview do it as like professors on the job, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so as we're trying to coordinate that stuff, me and him will just start talking. And then we'll do an interview on Riverside because uh, I talked to some, I mean, I didn't talk to anyone, but Essential Press uses Riverside and Fireside, what? And <laughs> it should really give us and, money. Uh, yeah. Like, almost and, every uh, Catholic podcast is on, on Fireside because of us. We got <laughs> <yeah>. nothing. <laughs> oh, damn it. What a thousand flowers, flowers boom. But like, we'll end a call and then me and Dave will stay on. A couple times me and Dave had to run the call instead of Mariah, our, our producer. And so we'll just and we'll talk for like an hour and a half about like all these different things like while we're working what what are you working on what are you doing what's coming up next, and it's just funny because because he's familiar with Cal Newport and all that stuff so that I don't know if he time block plans but for me he, his goal like the way he does it is give me four hours where I can work and then everything else is I'll just do whatever I can because mm-hmm. I mean obviously he has kids with special needs and yeah. he has to tend to but yeah. the idea of like just let me get four hours in a day. And those will be incredible four hours of incredible work, but that's all you're going to get out of me. You might get two or three hours of admin. And that's what studies show. You have an eight-hour workday, you get like six hours worth of work done out of people. And out of those hours, you're probably looking at two of deep work, of, of anything that approximates deep work. So here, in my, I don't know what you're like. I'm better in the morning. Are you better Same. in the morning? Yeah. 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 I find my ADHD stuff. Like the so because I go walking in the morning and because I do meditation on on scripture in the morning, I find that when I'm at work, eight a.m. ish, I'm solid until lunchtime, hmm. and then after lunch it's like oh my gosh my brain is in five hundred different places. But dude, I like it's it's powerful mm-hmm. when you when you get a productivity system that works for you, because the the deal is this like our time management. So you need to do one of two things. You need to simplify your life as much as possible. Simplify, man. <laughs> and I think it becomes super easy. It's like buying things. Like it's easy to buy things now that we just buy things and we're like, what the shit do I do with this? But like our lives get super complex. And I find this with my own life with work. Like I do podcasts. I was doing this. I was doing this. I was traveling. Leaving the parish job. I didn't realize how overly complicated I had made my life until I was like, if I remove this 60-ish hour a week thing from my life, what changes? And it was like, oh, a lot. I can sleep, eat, work out, be with my kids, and do all the other stuff and provide a living. It's just a more modest living. Mm-hmm. And it's scary for me with all this inflation and all this stuff, that like trying to actually live more modestly. But the simpler you go... I mean, just think like we live in a hyper consumeristic lifestyle, consumeristic world. Choosing to be simple and being content in the simplicity is like you've just opted out of the world system. Mm-hmm. And so, me and my wife are talking about this. Like, what does this look like? Okay, you, you have the financial responsibility side, right? Like, okay, we budget, we talk about things, we don't overspend, whatever. Then you have this like Christian lifestyle approach of what does it look like to live simply mm-hmm. like to to decrease and where are the things and living simply also means where do we want to spend lavishly so i want to spend lavishly on and this, this is going to sound so pretentious and i apologize luke <laughs> basically i want to spend lavishly on 
and again, this is like the most gormally, like you've heard me say this a million times, but on potluck dinners mm-hmm. with friends, mm-hmm. like I want everyone, like I'm on a mission. I had, I was talking with someone and they said, without saying potlucks, how can I help young adults in my community? And I was like, oh, son of a bitch. So, uh, <laughs> but like, I realized, so in, in that man is he, they call it like the school of Nazareth and, and all this like recreating Nazareth. And it's like, yeah, like we need to. We need to evangelize as a home, as a family. So, anywho, I say all this because simplicity doesn't mean beans and rice, rice and beans for the rest of your life. It means, like, priorities, first and foremost. And what are those spiritual priorities, intellectual priorities, emotional Mm -hmm. priorities, social priorities, and physical priorities? And then once you have those priorities, it's like, then how can I scale back all the noise? And in my life, the noise... I and we all do this, right? We like uh, like I said about Exodus ninety. It helped me res- reset my defaults. It's like, yeah, it's easy to just eat food because food is abundant, but that's not good for you. So what do I need to do? Well, I need to eat good food that nourishes. And then at times where it's time for feasting and festivity, like today we celebrated Thomas's my youngest uh, baptismal day, mm-hmm. right? So his baptismal day was yesterday. I was out of town. That everyone forgot. <laughs> Things got crazy. So today at lunch, I helped with homeschooling a little bit here and there when I got in from the airport from Baltimore, no, Baltimore, and then we all went to Sonic and we all got like fun drinks mm-hmm. and that way, and then we all had, you know, lunch and it was just a silly fun thing. And I realized like, yeah, so to be lavish in rewards, to be lavish in celebrating and then to fast otherwise, or, you know, like, and we've talked about this before, but like, what good is a feast when I can literally feast any day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is the thing that I'm it's so it sounds so like pretentious, but like maybe it does. I don't know. No, like, no, I, I want my I don't yeah, think it I does. want my physical life to resemble my spiritual life. You know, and I want like food, like the table, they call it the the liturgy of the table. And that's what I want. Like I want to I want to love awkward young adults who feel out of place in the Catholic community because all their friends are are banging each other and secular heathens and they don't they want to be Catholic, but they also want to have friends. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe I can be that guy for you. Yeah. Maybe I can. Maybe my wife can be that woman for you. Maybe my kids can make you feel like your family, like, cause you're not near your nieces and nephews or whatever. You know? I love that. Like, I mean, one of the most powerful uh, moments I've ever had in terms of like this, I don't know, just understanding vocations this is really weird. I remember both Aaron and I, we both commented on this was we were in Denver and I don't remember why we went. I think I had to have been working there, but I feel like I wasn't at that point in time. But okay, at St. Mary's, out and out and out, like Littleton, the entire core team and the youth minister at the time, it was uh, it was like Laura Potter who was there. We all got together and we all hung out, and there were a bunch of kids, and it was really, really wonderful. There's something about it that was extremely joyful, like way more fulfilling than going to a, to a bar. And I remember talking about it and i think at the time as a i'm a single person why that was so great was it was just you're so used to just like bars 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 mm-hmm. and i love that but there comes yeah, a point where it's like wrong. that's actually not really a yeah. reality like it's it's okay yeah. to do that in moderation i don't know what a moderation looks like that that's entirely a different discussion but maybe like once a night once a weekend as opposed to twice a weekend who knows <laughs> but my point though is like that was great and like i need um, like that's that's why yeah. I love communion and liberation because it provides that f- that for me oh, every, that's awesome. every week. So see that's that is leisure. That is like the the purpose of leisure is to 
recreate us exactly to build us yeah and and here's the thing like no one wants to hear this listening to this but we all know and we've all done this where you're on twitter and you're just scrolling or you're on instagram or you're on youtube shorts the death wheel and you're just scrolling and watching scrolling around, and there's nothing inherently wrong with the videos you're watching not immoral or whatever <laughs> until the they very, until they are <laughs> until they are oh i'm in instagram and now it's uh, fitness well, influencer butts yeah seriously <laughs> ass anywho um <laughs> But the but the idea of it is, it's dehumanizing mm-hmm. because the the biggest problem I see this, and I see this with a certain person in my life who shall not be named because I don't want to get in trouble if you know what I mean, is Shannon. And uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, the biggest problem that I see is like it's harmless and it's here and it's calling out to me, but it doesn't actually like recreate us. It doesn't make us feel better. It's like picking out a McDonald's. Like, I love McDonald's. I'm one of the billions upon billions served, mm-hmm. you know. But you don't feel like, I feel thoroughly nourished by mm-hmm. those French fries. But the problem is, it's always present. It's always there. And it's so easy to access. And this is nothing new. But the, the thing is, like, it doesn't recreate us. And the thing that recreates us takes a little bit more effort, mm-hmm. right? The, the true leisure, going physically, you going to the communion and liberation. And to talk and to re- do the readings or whatever. Hang I'm out with you- all with a bunch of Italians and be like, how are you not dehydrated <laughs> all the time? Why? Just coffee why? and wine, more coffee and wine. <laughs> it's like, how are you? Ow, ow. <laughs> we have a superior genetics. I yes, guess. No? I don't know why I became Russian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad well, with accents. I, I really want to add like um, something to this, which is that productivity. So you hear someone like we uh, uh, a, a person who if we were to like have like a if we were to have a catching foxes mount on rushmore people we wanted yeah. to be like he would be on it his name is merlin man and he man. talks about how a thing like G- gtd is really scaffolding and it's very getting things done easy David or yeah, yeah or any type of or really yeah. to, to you have to view any productivity thing as a form of it is the it's not the work you're doing it is the it is the scaffolding to help you do that work and it's super easy within our culture and this is one of the yeah. drawbacks of g of gtd because they kind of get to this point where they say things like it's not really you're doing work you're just doing on your system all the time and it doesn't matter what you're doing and it's like well actually no it's so like your work is more feeding into your system as opposed to this like system trying to feed this the 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 stuff that you are doing he may not agree with the guy who made it but whatever yeah well i'll tell you david allen co definitely wrote that or david allen wrote it when (laughs) number one he wrote it for executives of big companies because you can see it's like like get everything out of you everything home stuff personal stuff work stuff put it all on a piece of paper get it out of your head put it in a trusted system and then he said like for instance (laughs) this was one of the things i can't remember exactly what it was it was like like discuss like do the next step of like researching the purchase don't just write down buy a vineyard in yeah. napa valley put down like research prices <laughs> you're like what the who the hell are you <laughs> out with? but like that that high level like a ceo yeah. of a fortune 500 company who is crushed by anxiety needs gtd in its purest form especially if they're reproducing physical goods well, and, right that's kind of and what that's the real, widgets and like right? it's like when your job it has to be on um, your life yeah. you're trying to fit but i i, I think it's super easy with exactly. within our technically obsessed culture to be obsessed with productivity systems yeah and what i what i love and what you talked about is like you are talking about this is what's important to me 
and here's a productivity system that works for me to do the things that I want to do. So it's not so much about like you're putting your system at the service of a greater thing, which, and I, I think a lot of us, there's a lot of, there's a lot of places I want to go with this, but so I'll just start here. I think for me, like, like I can go back to the point of like, I wish I could journal more. I need to, I need to, I need to, I need to find a way to put my system at the service of journaling because that's one of those weird things where it's both part of like your system and a thing that you should do that is actually helpful. And Mm -hmm. prayer is almost kind of like that to a certain extent where prayer, like there is like a benefit, like there's a, almost secondary. I want to talk about prayer later today. Okay. To like, to you, that your, your life, but it also like is a, so you do it because it does all make your life better, but it is an important thing to do. And that is to me, I could be wrong here. That is the importance of it exceeds the personal benefit, which is why consistency is important as opposed to quality and quantity. Yeah, there's like an end in itself quality. It's exactly. not necessarily a thing for something else. It's an end in itself. Yeah. So it's like good in and of itself, regardless of it's what happens just as to a do result. It. Kind of like I'm working yeah. out. It's just important to do Yeah. in, in yeah. general. And I think a lot of times, like one of the things that I like with my grad school course, and I wanted to go into this a bit, but I, I'm just going to have it kind of fit with what we are talking about right here. There's a lot of people who work for who's to our show who work at some topic ministry or they're involved yeah. with it or they have friends who do or they just care about the stuff so I, I this doesn't apply to everyone but i really want to bring this up the era of if you build it and they will come in the church we all agree is long done but it's super done for like the actual organizations themselves like like these like apostolates yes. and for better or for worse and there can be an argument that can be made for both i really do believe this like if you're not actually putting like business practices at the service, and I, I don't, I, I, I want to be careful here because I, I want to draw a dis, a distinction between what's best for a for profit organization and what's best for a non profit organization because there is, can be a difference at times. Yeah, yeah. But when you're not really paying attention, if, if you're like, you have to do t- t- twice as twice as twice as much now to get the same results you got ten to twenty years ago. People will not accept that, but you're absolutely and right. And it's like if you're not investing in your in in your people, if you're not putting like stuff that works at the service of your mission, it's really, really harmful. And it and I was I'm thinking about just some about some stuff with my grads with my grad school course, things I've just learned, even just within this econ course that I am taking. And I'm pulling a lot of stuff from like a you know, other uh, other courses i have i'm taking i've thought back on my career how the stuff i know right now i wish i had known this then i wish i had known that i wish i had known this would have helped me better one articulate certain arguments but two like so many catholic organizations are making colossal mistakes Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be careful to not fall into pelagianism here because you know how I love to accuse people of that. Yeah, I was just talking about someone the other day about episode 99. But there is an element, though, of like, man. <laughs> Pelagian we meaning I, we do this on our own. Jesus is an example. Yeah. And we just, you know, white knuckle. Exactly. And if you just follow these steps or do these procedures or adopt this system magically it all works you know yeah magical bullet yeah yeah silver bullet. so i'm a big unbeliever in putting this stuff at the service of mission but i think back to yeah. things I'm like man if we had just done this this we could have saved like oh what a different approach like what a different approach and what maybe yeah. what space could we have created for things to 
to happen. And that's yeah. what really bums me out. It's not necessarily that it's like what, I don't know. I, I just like, I see certain, and you're starting to, I think a lot of this is just a generational mm. thing. Like you're seeing a lot of people who are, and I don't mean to like, I'm single out the boomers here. So this is not, I don't want, I, I truly I mean, this is not, it's not an ageist thing. Cause there are some principles that are timeless, but there are some that aren't. Mm-hmm. And what tends to happen with a lot of these non profits is people will stick around too either like too long or they are retired and they're coming back to do things. It's like, oh, like the rules have changed. Yeah. You know, and it just it's really damaging. It's really, well, really damaging. A couple of the yeah, a couple of the things that I see in in movements, in ministries and in parish settings where you have different like educational programs and stuff like that, whether you're talking about alpha or you know because there's like fadism when it comes to some programs and stuff bible studies whatever is the saying to me that helps contextualize stuff which is what got us here won't necessarily take us there mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. it's like if you have never heard of the bible or never never heard of the bible if you're a catholic you've never seriously read the bible then going to a bible study is revolutionary so in the 80s and 90s Bible studies set souls on fire for the Lord. But then you have parents who went to Bible studies, small faith communities, liturgical, you know, lectionary-based Bible studies, Scott Hahn, Jeff Cavins, Our Father's Plan, the Bible Timeline, Genesis to Jesus, and then all these other Bible studies come out. So now you have, like, let's say 30 years now of adults electing to go to, like, Catholic Bible studies. So you have their children or their high school students or whatever who are now young adults, and they're like, yeah, no, it was a fine Bible study. And you're like, what are you talking about? This is a thing that changed my life. And, and then they watch, like, the people that run these ministries. After 10 years, you see this, like, saggy, saggy thing. And they're like, well, what are we doing wrong? And it's like, well, it's not that you're doing something wrong. It's that all the people who were in that pool who were potential Bibles, like, people who say and feel in their bones, I love my faith, but I don't know Jack. I need to do something to grow deeper. Let's say that's 10% of your community. Well, you've been running for 10 years. You've done 250 mm-hmm. people a year. You maybe hit the majority of those people with your Bible studies and maybe some other people did other things. And it's like it ran its course. And no, like when your ministry is your baby, right? No one wants to hear it ran its course. But the thing is, the times they are a changing. And what worked for one generation, and by one generation, I might mean because like everything is so compressed today and things change so quickly. We're talking what worked for young adults five years ago might not work for the same young adults today, might not work for the same young adults five years from now. Mm -hmm. And they're actually like Alpha. One of the funny stories I heard about Alpha is their production company said, we refuse to do this Alpha for youth, Alpha for teens, unless you're willing to totally gut it and revamp it every like three or four years. They're like, what? Why would we do that? It's cost millions of dollars to shoot all these videos and do all this stuff. And it's like, because in three to five years, this will be the hokiest, corniest crap. There's no such thing as perennial content with youth mm-hmm. because video formats and digital editing, all that, just the processes change so much. Well, and, and, this, and so they made that commitment and they do. This is where I think a lot of like discernment is super important here and why it's so crucial to keep this at the service of mission. Because as like yeah. much as I'm writing these, these strategy change right now, what like I'm going to quote, public benedict here what man um, needs in every age is holiness not like n- not 
management. I think I even see some trend translations put it as as strategy. So if you what you if the strategy you are you are implementing, if you think that's what's going to make the conversions happen, you're all you've you have essentially already lost. But if you understand what the Lord is calling you to, because at times it can be like putting tons tons of resources at the service of a thing where to some the return on investment isn't going to be there. It's all about like mass numbers. But it's like act like actually now we're talking. You know, like we I I really believe we are probably in the era of having to put a lot more resources into compared to previous some of the years smaller quote unquote returns but it's like let's put all this stuff at at the service of abandoning the 99 to go after the one yeah let's be willing to spend 300 thousand dollars for 12 for 12 individuals because that could be what it takes now yeah and that's what yeah. we're called to do that you know and yeah and that's like kind of where I'm, I'm i'm starting to get a little bit of like a of, of, of like a fire lit underneath me because i think oh there's a fire know, right? burning in your soul Adele, I'm okay, sorry. I'm not going to do those up segments <laughs> I yet. In, I was intending, you know, <laughs> intentionally trying to get you to do it. <laughs> what, what's your fire, Luke? What's your fire? Well, it's just that, like, what are we? And, and this is very hard. Okay, I'll just come out here and say it. So I've gone to a few arguments on Twitter. I think maybe even on I'm on LinkedIn with that oh. Tim Glemkowski dude. Who is the president of the National yeah. Eucharistic Revival? This is when he was doing some stuff with like strategy, and I'm sure he's a great guy. You know, whatever. Oh yeah, he did uh, like a parish renewal. Yeah, strategy. I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, and I, I think for me, a lot of it was th- like the language, but, and I'm so, mm-hmm. and I've like, I'm excited, and like why I bring that up is like I. I do wrestle with when when you get to oh gosh at a point why I brought up his name now I feel bad but like I'm excited to see young people relatively young people in charge of something like the Eucharistic Congress thing like I'm not gonna go yeah. whatever I don't really care but like I, I I just don't I don't have I don't have the capacity to care about that right now I care about the Eucharist. I'll be there yeah have fun yeah but like and, and but like I trust someone like that's enough Paul X Fuentes. Who's super excited about? It. I, I can't. I trust a person like like you know Chris like I'm Frank. And what really makes me it, like excited about it is that people like Tim, like Chris, who are heading that up. And I I think it's time to kind of and I, and I feel bad. This maybe this might come across as being a, like a little bit a, a little bit ageist, and I don't I don't want to sound like that. But you know, so there's a thing in fundraising. Called uh, call like moves management, and it's how you're going to guide um people to like higher levels of giving. So you have the bottom of like a pyramid, you go up, 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 up. I reject that now, completely. I'm like mm. to hell with that. Like I'm more interested. To me, it's not a pyramid. It actually is like a circle, and it's about you know, it's about just cultivating people to like different levels of um giving within that um circle. And there are times when they're, when they're going to come off. There are times when they're going to come back on but it's not about it's not about going up it's about being on like a journey with them and getting and, and giving them opportunities when they can to be more on the deeply involved so i think you can now and it's but you see a lot of de, a lot of de- development consultants who've got 20 to 30 years of having to like i'm um, raise money are like no, no no this is like how you do it because this is how i did it it's yeah. like i agree 
that was how you did it. It's not the case anymore. It's a circle, yeah. not like a pyramid. That's a fundamental. That's a paradigm shift. Yeah, that's a total change in our approach. Shift. And and it's and it's tough. It yeah. really is tough to not come across as being uber like ageist. And I don't think it's often like the. Well, it's not. Can I can I chime in here real mm-hmm. quick? It's not ageist. There's a book that we read with my pastor at St. Anthony's, Systems Thinking. And one of the principles of system thinking is called mental models. And you make these mental models. We all have mental models because that's how we operate in the world. That's how we act in the world in order to create change Mm -hmm. in the world, Mm -hmm. right? And so if your mental model is X, but it's not actually taking account of the multifaceted nuanced systems behind the thing and blah, blah, blah then mental model X might work in a certain situation, but not in other situations. But to actually see the problems means seeing past your own successes. And that is why there is an expression, your successes have defeated you. Bradman, right? (laughs) That your successes have defeated you precisely because you have built an empire on X while the world has now gone on to Y. And you didn't see it, and you're still getting residual success off of it, and you're getting speaking gigs and conferences and all this stuff. This is why in Thomas, uh, is it Thomas Kung's book on scientific revolutions, his, his thing is like, for, for an actual scientist to move the goal forward, he actually has to be hated by the majority mm-hmm. of scientists. Yeah. Because he's asserting that your mental model and your paradigm, he's actually the one that kind of gave us the language of paradigm, that the paradigms that you operate of a mental model of all of physics in the universe, it's like, no, you're wrong. It's this new thing. and Or it's in this field of chemistry. It's this new thing, right? And to make those advances, especially the great leaps that we saw in, in, in scientific history, all of those, almost every single scientist without exception operates, the ones who bring about revolutions are condemned by the current orthodoxy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they have to bring about the revolution. And then what happens is you get the scientists that come after that iterate, 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 iterate. And then that iteration comes to a point where it roughly hits a wall and then you need a new revolution. And this is what you see in the sciences, right? With the scientific method and, and sophistication of instruments and all this stuff that we have new theories and new this and new that. But the but the famous or the the reality with the systems thinking is our mental models can be how do I mean the whole point of the of the MIT mental model program is for business. It's like you have a mental model of what your market looks like, and the market shifted, and you didn't realize that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? You thought it was over here. Like I mean, yeah. So you have I mean, just I I, I love harping on this example, but the woman who was put in charge of Bud Light, her mental model was framed in academia. Her mental model was framed by gender and women's studies. And so she thought she was going to bring that to Bud Light, but Bud Light wasn't Y, Bud Light was X, and she's coming in with Y, and she thought she could create a new market. Look, look, there's untapped people who need Bud Light. All the, the trans community needs Bud Light, and, and, and the gay community needs Bud Light, and it's like, Bud Light is cheap shit to get frat boys drunk, right? Like, that is your demographic, and, but her mental model couldn't under, even come close to conceiving that world, and so it doesn't have to do with age. In fact, it has to do – the only reason why we say age because it has to do with success and a track record and experience of success. So you can be in your 30s and be stuck in your ways. That's that's very true. Yeah. But but, but that's why age aligns with it because it does actually take time to feel these models and feel the success of these models and then have those models, the reality behind the models actually change. 
So you could say, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the boomer generation or whatever. It could just be anyone who's had a measure of success for years and now times they are a change. Well, and, and I think I think like why I bring up the aging, I think for me is that tends to be where it is played yep. out the most. Yep. And so and you're it's it's interesting. So like one one area where you are starting to experience this is in Catholic schools. So it used like yep. I think if you were to ask us when we came out of college, where were our kids going to go? We would all say the most orthodox school, right? Yeah. Or high school. That's not the case. We're finding the people our age, they're not doing that. They're doing what everyone yeah. else does. And it's what is, what does a kid want? What is their, what is their interest? So this kid's going to the sports school. This kid's going to the art school. This kid's going to this school. You have people now who have their kids are going to four different high schools. Yep. We're not doing yep. what I thought we were all going to do when people our age started having kids in high school, which, which, Terrifies me. <clears throat> sorry, they're going. They're doing what everyone else is doing. It's the kid is. The, it's a kid and the, their interest that determines where, like, where they end mm-hmm. up going to to um, school. And everyone's like, I'll take care of the faith stuff at at home. And I think home. one of the things that you see happening is actually a lot of your um, Catholic schools. I think are actually getting better. This I have no data to back this up at all. So <laughs> this could be totally wrong. But I think this is your gut. This is your gut. But yeah, my gut is that. Because people are doing this, you're seeing a, probably a bit of an uptick in the number of, for lack of a better term, conservative Catholic families who are at these schools now who in the past probably would not have been there. Mm. They, but they have the community. They have the people there that they want their kids to be around. So it's worth that risk. Or yeah. they have enough things in place that they feel like they can take that risk and it's, and it's not that big of a deal. There are um, some things that are like timeless truths. So for examples – for example, in fundraising, I love um, Zig Ziglar and like a reading lot. He's a big up yeah. sales guy. And he's yeah. like, just you need to pick up the phone and go. That's mm-hmm. never going to die. That's never going to die. That you're, mm-hmm. I can guarantee you, that is like one of the, like, I think it's um people like Morning Brew. They have some great podcasts where I heard a guy say, like, basically every job, there are like two things that will predict 80% of your um a success. You do those two things you're yeah. good and in sales it like and in fundraising one of those two is are you calling people every day to try to have a meeting <laughs> yeah. and that's never going to change even it doesn't matter if it's like a circle it's like a pyramid that is that is not going to change and so i think there are things that are absolutely timeless but what's tough is having those um, conversations because things like i'm seeing i wish i could go into more um detail but i can't i'm seeing it played out like right now i'm seeing it played yeah. out on so many like I just said, like, I'm at, you know, the number of Catholic schools that I want to be like, listen, you got to be good at something. One thing. It's not just yeah. being a Catholic school. That's not going to be enough. There are too many right. options. And, and I would say, you know, for me, okay, so just looking at it from my perspective, I'm no lo- I'm, I'm not affiliated with high school. I, I do high school retreats. And if you need me, I will come <laughs> to your Catholic high school and do a retreat. Uh, me and Shannon are doing a talk in, in October together at a high school retreat. But um, hey, let me just say kids. this: one of most parents cannot afford Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Working class parents cannot afford Catholic school unless there's something else going on, good scholarships, whatever, endowments for scholarships, selling drugs. So if, if you, yeah, right, whatever. So if you can't afford Catholic school, what do you do? But you want a salt, solid Catholic education. What do you do? You do one of two things: you do um, a charter school that maybe aligns mm-hmm. with the message. So I know a lot of Catholics down in spring who maybe couldn't afford oh spring is about you know 20 minutes south of me 10 minutes south of me can't afford so there's a, a new at a, at a protestant church there's a charter school that opened and it's called 
Arete Academy, something like that, which means excellence in Greek, and it's virtue. So it's a virtue formation school built around the great books or whatever. And so it's basically a religious school, that's here in a Christian Daddy. school that's yeah. not Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of places that do that. There's a lot. There's the, the Acton Institute right in my neighborhood, literally. But attached you know to my what's funny? Even that. And they're all like small Christian groups. Yeah. Well, let me just say. Yeah, yeah, so they're, but they're public schools. They're charter mm-hmm. schools. They're public schools. So you're not paying additional money, but you're getting a virtue values education that maybe a lot of parents are nervous about. So then on the other side, you have homeschooling. Homeschooling is huge. One in five, I think. Maybe one in six kids in America now are homeschooled. The amount of people who are homeschooled, it doubled from pre-COVID numbers pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. COVID was, when one, when parents saw and heard over Zoom what their kids were learning. But a lot of it was like, holy shit, man. Like, we can do this at home. And there's so much good stuff online. So I'm going to say that. Homeschooling has grown. So for me, a Catholic model is like okay well how can we get access to either the home or these charter schools or something like that and the hybrids i think are an effective non-traditional way of keeping kids catholic so for instance my kids on thursdays tomorrow they're going to go to campion hall where it's all electives sacred music mm-hmm. uh they do um history of the roman empire so hopefully we can get more young men thinking about rome get that going once or twice a week um they have my daughters in the Roman Empire class. They got Latin. They got all sorts of stuff that maybe you can't teach at home. Okay, awesome. There are other schools that do like Regina Chaley and John Bosco and all these other places that do a twice a week thing where it's like everyone does the same homeschooling curriculum, but twice a week you come to this place and have schooling in it. And it's like, oh, okay, so it's a hybrid. So it's half at home, half at school. I like that. My kids get the social life. Now there are so many homeschooling communities that there's networks where you can have not, it's still not at the level of a public school system, but you can have competitive sports. You can have, you know, all this stuff. And there, I mean, there's like 2000 kids in the homeschooling sports leagues Mm -hmm. now. And there was like a hundred kids when I was in high school here. Right. So this is, this is like dynamic change and they're all expanding all the Catholic, a lot of Catholic sports leagues have died. Parish based sports leagues have died. But it's fascinating to see this, and it's like, but no, a lot of Catholic diocese, a lot of dioceses will put the kibosh on. No, even though our Catholic school system failed and we have the school buildings, you can't compete with Catholic schools with your hybrid thing. I know in a lot of dioceses they'll just put the kibosh on. Them. No, you can't use our buildings. And it's like, but the, but but they're school buildings twice a week. We can have Catholic kids in here, and we'll take them to daily mass, and they're a part of the parish. And it's like, nope. We refuse to allow competition. That drives me These are nuts. Exact drives words. me freaking nuts. Who does yeah, the buildings like, exist for? You dumb motherfucker. Sorry. Like it. Oh, it really. Joe, believe I'm right that there out. with you. Buddy. It like I'm that right. makes me so angry. Who do the buildings exist for? It's meant to be yeah. at the service of the parish. It's no different. No, it is meant to be well, sorry, a make work program for the people in power. Well, I guess because like, <laughs> times they are a change. It just, but not for the people in power. It just drives me nuts. This is the other ageism thing. Is how do you get there? Well, years of experience and competence and whatever. And it's like, yeah, of that model. And now there's new models and you won't even entertain it. You won't even look at it. Fucking Karen you, ruining everything. You just do this. You little dismissive hand. It's yeah. just like, like, oh my gosh, my heart. it makes me so angry because like yeah. truly it like infuriates me because it. Okay. So there's one issue I would take with, with, with what you said. I don't think a reason why these, I could be wrong. This is, this is, this is just my gut. I, yeah, I, I think these charter schools are coming about not because of the price, 
as like just as much as it is people want that type of a model they want a fully oh yeah no 100 percent. i'm just saying when when catholic parents say i would love to send my kid to a private school but in the same town there's a charter school oh, that sure. is going yes. that is saying yeah. like virtue and it's at the local non-denominator it's at a catholic church or whatever but i think they'll a lot of say time, i'm sending my kid there. it's it's more the pedagogy and the and the yeah. environment there than it is the cost because a yeah. lot of, I don't know. I don't want to speak every Catholic school that I have been at. They will work with you. They will mm-hmm. do what they will move heaven and earth to try they to will, get you. Yeah. They'll just like, to be honest, yeah. like a lot of them just say, tell me what I mean, you can afford. And yeah. they'll finally, and that is and honestly, I have found That's, that to be true too. Yeah. Is the sticker price scares a lot of Catholics mm-hmm. away from the very beginning, but it's like, but no, 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 no. Ask, ask, totally go to the principal and ask, say, go to is, the whoever yeah. and ask. And I have found that to be true. And I don't want, I, I had a friend who, yeah, anywho, Catholic school, a, a lot of drama. There's always drama with that because oh, the yeah. sticker price yeah. scares people, but the sticker price might not be the actual price. And um, just case in point, you know, San Anthony and Padua here, K through eight, pre-K to eight, they, I mean, it's expensive school to go to for someone who works for the, for the church. And now, you'll, if you just look at the sticker price, you might be like, oh, no. But then you get a discount for being a full-time employee, diocesan, however many years, blah, blah, blah. But then scholarships, you know, different schools have different scholarship levels. And some will just, I mean, I've seen principals go up to, to wealthier mm-hmm. yep. people and just say, yep. hey, can you pay for a student? I've done that. Yeah. So it's awesome. Well, it's awesome. So don't let the price, yeah, I, I'm not just saying it's just price. Like, so for, for instance, here's the deal. If I had the money to send my kid to a and i firmly believe this this might offend someone i hope it doesn't but if i had the money to send my kid to a catholic school or to send them to a private classical education school and the catholic school did common core and the classical school didn't teach any religion necessarily but they just taught a classical curriculum and great books program i would send my kid to the class 100 agree. great books 100 yeah i would not i i think common mm-hmm. core damages their intellect and I want them to go to school to learn the great, the oldest things ought to be taught to the youngest people. And then I have no problem supplementing that at home. So, I, uh, Luke, we're coming up on an hour. I know you got a big day tomorrow. Nah, I need to wrap up soon. I'm, okay, I, I need to wrap up. Personally. Well, I'll, let me just add one yeah, thing about please, when I got five when I got very yeah. like angry early on. It was like classic Luke coming back. It really bothers me. And okay, sorry. Let me let me mm-hmm. say one of two things because I know we have one one particular person who like almost listens to the show who actually was really hurt by a school because they were they were basically told almond no because they couldn't all afford it. And Ugh. I think it's really wrong of schools to do that. Yeah, I think it is absolutely wrong. I think anyone a a Catholic education honestly it should be free. That's a whole other discussion. Yeah, four million dollars. You want to run a Catholic school? It's four million dollars for a K through eight. But but that's that's hard. You know, with how like everything is right now, and plus we're doing things in a very you know dated way. So like, I really have a problem with schools that turn yeah. people away. I think it's wrong. Two, when you are not um, using your stuff at the service of the parish or the people who are there, it's like what? Why do you like? Yeah. What is wrong? You are what Pope Francis is. I'm talking about. Yeah, like your this is meant. This is we're going through a violent transition right now, where we're going from basically being in maintenance mode in in to mission on mode and the only thing that i can compare to is when christ um when like he'll like exercise that one group or guy or whoever and he put he put him like the demons in the pigs and the pigs like you know pigs went off yeah. the cliff well remember how we killed a pig and it was very loud imagine yeah. a herd of pigs how like um violent that would be yeah and so like yeah. i think about this change is really hard 
it's very difficult. There's a lot of pain, and it's going to like be ugly. I don't think it should be. I'm violent by any means. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be hard. <laughs> is, we're, not, we're not advocating violence. It's going to be hard. Yeah, but I, I, I get so angry when the church mm-hmm. doesn't accommodate or say, "How can we make this work?" Because it's like this school is not more important. The school's at the service of the parish of the people. Oh, yeah, it's of the mission. The yeah. Service. It is no different than like youth ministry. It should be viewed in the same way. Yeah, and it, it just it really. It really drives me wild. I just yeah. Ugh. We started with productivity. We ended with Catholic education. <sighs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful because it's all of a piece. Because true. the the reality is, systems and models that work because they need to work for the yeah. actual reality. The 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 reality on the ground, and too often we don't. So I I, I just want to end with something. This is kind of like a, a this is a praise report. Can I can I this add like praise. one yeah please. one quick thing? Every school is I'm different though. Every school yeah. is different. So like, yeah, that's what I mean. The reality. Yeah. The like every, yeah. like not every, you know, but there are schools where I know some schools that have the buildings empty. Yeah. And so it's just like, there are, there are options. Yeah. Anyways, there are options. Gormley. So, um, in doing a preparation for some men's talks that I have to give, I'm going to be in Tulsa on Thursday, September 21st. I'm going to be in Vancouver, Washington on the 30th. Just doing just some different stuff coming up. Uh, I've been listening and writing a bunch of, listening to a bunch of talks and seminars and stuff on masculinity, Christian masculinity, biblical masculinity, feminist masculinity, all these different things, and trying to distill what what to really take away. And one of the things that I loved was this guy, Protestant Reformed dude, Vody Bochum, and he said, like I mentioned before on the show, big old dude. Start. He's the dean of a college in in Africa that he started. Reformed church pastor for years, um, powerful teacher. He was on Shapiro, Ben Shapiro show. Like he's just awesome guy though. He had this comment about his children and he said, when my son turned 13, all of his homeschooling came to me because I am the discipler of my children too. And he's like, too many dads are content and, and too many parents are content with raising kids to be good kids but not to be, but not discipling them. And I realize, mm. like, yeah, I have prayer. My kids have prayer. My kids have school. We have religion as a subject here in, in home study. They go to Campion Hall where they're learning stuff. Like, yeah, my kids are, you know, they got it. They're fine in terms of content. But it's like, but what if I stop viewing it intellectually as do they know the faith? And <laughs> because it's so easy to reduce it to just that and to start saying, am I discipling my kids? And so that's the, the, the reality. So like the family rosary and stuff, what I've been doing is give the gathering them. I'm like, no, 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 we're not sitting around the couches and all daydreaming and bouncing off the walls while we're praying. I want you to sit at this table and I'm going to have the Bible and we're going to do our prayers. And then I'm going to read you a passage and we're going to talk about it. And you're going to ask whatever question pops into your crazy head, but we're going to go through like today we went through Mary's Magnificat. I read Hannah's song in First Samuel chapter two, verse one through ten. Like we went through these things, and it's like I want that. And they ask the coolest questions. Like my kids, they just ask questions because things pop in their head. Well, what about this? Or what does that mean? Well, what is that? And I stop periodically. Do you know what this is? Do you know what that is? Who's this? Who's that? And uh, and then I pray for stuff. And then someone said to me, "Gosh, like, why am I not remembering who said this to me?" I want to say it was it was Mark Hartfield here at That Man Is You. He said, Scott Hahn one time told him, are your kids seeing you do ministry or do they just see dad leave to go do ministry? 
And he's like, Ooh. yeah, that's a really good point. And he's like, so I'm and any local gigs I'm taking my kids to, I'm inviting them to. So I, you yes. know, I'm not going to force it, but I'm inviting them to so that they can see how daddy does the things that daddy does. I think Jim Beckman and, would do that. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that could be, I mean, I, I don't want to, I feel bad like saying if, if he my, didn't to, to say his yeah. name, but I feel, I want to say he did. I could be totally wrong. Right. My honest goal, and this comes from um, Henri Nouwen, who, when he worked with the large community, he would always leave with one of the young men or, um, yeah, young men who are, you know, Down syndrome and whatnot. He would travel and give talks and he would have to have someone from the community because you minister as a community, right? It's like a religious order. And so Vody Bochum takes, as soon as his kids become 13, they become eligible to come with him. So it's in his contract. Like, you will get a hotel room so that me and my child can stay in. You will buy plane tickets for me and my child. Hmm. And then we'll come do this event for you. And uh, he has strict time limits. Like, nope, I only do eight days worth of ministry a month. If I do any more, then I am lying when I tell you that my family is my biggest priority. If I do any less, then I can't put food on the table. Yeah. So he has these, like, super set priorities. And I was like, dude, like, yeah, like, my kids hear about it but they don't get to see me do it nor shannon do it now they get to and now they're they're old enough they're getting older they can handle an hour talk or an hour and 15 even though i'm always scheduled for an hour <laughs> so that's what I, i'm looking forward to doing i'm going to be at saint cecilia's catholic church or the rca class talking about salvation history and nice. as i do that my, my two of my kids said they wanted to come so nice where do you go yeah i'm going to do that with everly uh, i would imagine but I'm also going to do it with things like August and Everything After by the by the Counting Grows. So it's like, okay, here's like the Song of Songs. Now let's go into Rain Rain King. All right. So <laughs> it's but you know what? That's actually honestly really powerful. Like me mm-hmm. and you are going to sit down and go through some of the new albums from Taylor Swift. Just go through some of her new it. songs and say like, what worldview is this promoting? Like, what is she saying about love? What is she saying about mm-hmm. life? What is she saying about relationships and friendships? What is she saying about Which herself? Which pen is she writing with? Have you heard that? She's got like, she has her, all of her songs. She There are three different pens she like may um, write them with. One's for like her like artsy pen, one's her like pink pen, and one's her like angry pen or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's Anyways, awesome. Yeah. All right. I love you. This was good. I love you too, buddy. This is fun. This was, this was a good show. Good. I'm classic catching foxes. I got angry. We talked about productivity. We dropped. Martin I've been Man. drinking this whole time. Yeah. Look at that. Seltzer water. All right. All right. Bye, Luke. Bye. Love you. Wait, don't leave. I won't.